Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema. Welcome once again to Fresh Hop Cinema, a craft beer and movie podcast based in Chico, California. That is Johnny Summers on the other end of my digital telephone line in your ear holes. And that's Maximus Manhardimus. What a day. Together. Episode 201. Yep, 201. It's a it's a new year, almost. When Just, you hear this, it's a new year. Yeah, true. It's New Year's Eve Eve as we record this. Yeah. New Year, but, yeah. same us. So New Year, same us, same total drunken chaos. Bring it um, on, 2021. Exactly. We're not scared. <laughs> uh, I hope everybody enjoyed the Christmas special. I don't know, depending on if you watched it on YouTube or listened to it in your podcast feed. Uh, we had a lot of fun doing it. It turned out to be um, I, basically kind of what we were expecting. Some learning curves happened, uh, but I was happy overall. And Johnny, I wanted to say to you, Merry Christmas again. You were an excellent Scrooge. Thank you. I, uh, you know, if you have skills that come natural, you just have to lean into them. Yeah, fair enough. I've been thinking since the start of this few years ago, like you'd make a great Scrooge. I need a, I need a way to... I need a reason to incorporate Ebenezer Scrooge, and I finally th- came up with it this year. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I went full character piece, too. I, yeah. I demanded that no one look at me the whole time we recorded. <laughs> yeah, um, he was muttering in the corner by himself, like Jack Nicholson on the set of The Shining. He was like, he seemed to yeah. jump in, like kind of hitting the wall. It was wild. Yeah, I, I did a lucrative amount of cocaine before we recorded <laughs> as well. I had an axe. It was crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's good, man. Um, no cocaine or axes were harmed in the making of our Christmas special. And I wasn't either, which, because you might think if Johnny's walking around with axes and cocaines, maybe I'm going to get hurt. And I was not hurt either. Neither were anybody in the production. It was all great. Yep. It was a good time, though. So you can find us on YouTube, like we just said. We don't have a whole lot of stuff on YouTube, um, but I think the stuff we do have is very good. You can also, obviously, wherever you're listening to us here, there's other places, though. You can check us out on Instagram and Twitter at Fresh Hop Cinema. If you want to, if you're more of a movie person, you can hit us both up uh, on Letterboxd, or if you're more of a beer person, on Untapped. You can also just send us a good old-fashioned email, FHCCast, short for podcast, uh, at gmail.com. You can give us money if you are so inclined and uh, you're still feeling kind of given because of the holiday season. Check us out over on Patreon. Uh, you can find us at patreon.com slash fresh hop cinema. Give us a buck or two per episode and we give you fun bonus content in return, which is also to say, Johnny, you want to say hello to our friend? What's up, Jen? We have a new patron. Welcome to the fold. Thank you for joining us. Yes. Uh, you have to shotgun a four loco now because you're part of the club. Yeah, man. I, we haven't done a four loco that hasn't been referenced on on our show for quite a while. I'm wondering, like, there's got to be like a weird sort of um, demographic of people that kind of joined past or after the last time we did it. And there's like, what do you, why? But whatever, Jen, you're going to figure it out eventually if you haven't already. So yeah, sh- sure. Shotgun a four loco in the safety of your home uh, with a friend nearby in case you have to go to the hospital. Yeah, because if you shotgun a four loco, no room is safe. No, I don't think so. But thanks for joining, Jen. We appreciate you. Um, and again, if you want to be like Jen, go to patreon.com slash freshhopcinema. Give us a few bucks. It helps us keep the show running. And if you don't feel like doing that, but you still want to help, just give us a rating or a review or both uh, on Apple Podcasts or, or wherever you listen to podcasts. It helps other people find our fun show, and we really appreciate that. And not that any of you care, which I hope you do, but I've been really trying to update my letterbox like as soon as I watch a movie. So mine is actually fully up to date of all the movies I've watched this month. So. Oh, nice, dude. Mine's actually if you slacking. Hop- yeah, yours is. You, yeah. you, you, I noticed. It's fine. Yeah. I see you, but yeah. I'm not. I wasn't going to call you out. But since you told on yourself, 
Uh, if you're going to follow one of us, I'm a bit more up to date. Fair. Just saying. Yeah. Max has longer reviews, though. That's true. That's part like I've I've made a point of trying to write them. And, and then when I don't have time right after a movie, I just end up not doing it, which is a stupid thing because I should just go and log it real quick. Um, if for no other reason, then I can just look back at the end of the year. And when I make our fun T-shirts, uh, I can just see my favorite movies. That'd be such an easy way to do it. Yeah. Which and I, I uh, yeah, it is. Oh, shit. Yeah. It's happening. We have to do a top 10 or whatever <laughs> yeah, for we do. 2020. Yeah, we do. A very skewed and somewhat crummy year for movies. But yeah. uh, we'll still do it. Yeah, fair enough. 100%. Um, but yeah, no, even like on, um, letter letterbox, yeah. I'll just pop on like right after I'm done. And even if I only have like two sentences to write, I'll like try and write a little something about everything I watch. There's a pretty good amount of words I spent on uh, a movie that's in my hot and bothered this week. So stick around for that. Oh, and great. I'll tell you more about that. Uh, any other, follow uh, us on letterbox. Yeah. Any other housekeeping we got to get to before we start talking brewery? Uh, I think that's it, man. Okay, then all I know is that you have procured this week's beers, I believe, from the source, which is uh, Cedar Crest Brewing out of Red Bluff. I would love, sir, some background. How was the trip? Why did you go there? How did you pick these beers, et cetera? Uh, yeah, the the owner, Kate, gave me them uh, personally. Thanks, Kate. Uh, yeah, thanks, Kate. Shout out. I was up there because we, <clears throat> excuse me, my company, we have a couple of coffee shops within like a block of there. Actually, one's right next door in up in Red Bluff in down uh, downtown area. And so I'm walking by this brewery like all the time to go check on my products and for work and stuff. Uh, and I just popped in uh, like I think a week or two before Christmas. And I was like, hey, do you guys sell cans to go? I've never had your beer. And yeah, I ended up talking to Kate for a little bit and was like, yeah, we do this podcast and I'd love to do your beer on the show because you're local and we've never done it and it seems cool. I like the art. I like frogs. Yeah, sure. Uh, I like to keep it local. So let's do this. And she ended up giving me a four pack of beer uh, and it was filled that moment fresh off the tap. They actually have a little crowler unit for 16-ounce cans, so they just fill it right off of draft and then seal it, and it's it's good to go. So this is some of the freshest beer that we've done in a while. And, uh, yeah, they're out of Red Bluff. They've got a tap room in Redding, and they started in 2012, and I think they're making pretty decent stuff. I've had a couple of their beers, but nothing too critically. I've popped in and had a beer there before, so... I'm excited to get into this. Are you ready to try the first one? Yeah, I've got my can open. It was, uh, did, did Kate, did you say Kate poured these or there's a different bartender? Uh, it was the bar, uh, bar manager. Uh, I believe her name was Holly. Oh, great. Well, yeah, I was going to say, I think we both noticed this. I think you mentioned it too before we started. These cans are very full. Um, and the first one we're drinking that I'm about to pour is called Rocky Pond Blonde. Uh, according to the website, it's actually not a Blondale. It's a, it's their take on a Kolsch. It's 5.2% ABV. Uh, maybe while I pour mine, Johnny, you could read what they had on their website about this beer. Yeah, Rocky Pond Blonde. This easy drinking beer is our version of one of our favorite German styles known as Kolsch. The style originated in the city of Cologne, Germany, and is so light and smooth that many people mistake it for a lager instead of an ale. This beer has great malt balance and flavor from the use of premium Pilsner malt combined with a touch of Vienna and wheat malts. We have done a West Coast spin by substituting Northwest hops for the typical German noble hops. Um, so they kind of made it their own. You taste it yet? Not yet. There's a very specific. I just poured mine. It looks great. It's super bubbly. There's like a, a like some pretty big bubbles, leaving a almost like a like a soda poppy kind of head. But it's it's going away now. But there's a really specific flavor 
that I got mm. and I can't place it. And I'm wondering if, if it's jumping out to you and you could just like, be like oh yeah, it's this. Do you get it's that? It's definitely anything? the the malt profile. Yeah, it's, but what it's is that really? Flavor? Yeah, it's that Vienna malt, I think, because that is a very distinct malt. It's like, oh, yep, this is a German style beer, like immediately. Yeah, dude, it's almost like a molassesy kind of thing going on. Okay, I yeah, think that's I could see that coming from the malts. Uh, overall, I mean, uh, not overall. First impressions, like certainly not offensive. Um, it's got sort of like a, a like an almost creaminess going on, which didn't make a lot of sense to me because it is so bubbly. It doesn't necessarily register by looking at it as like the smoothest uh, palate experience, but um, it's good. I mean, it's it's pretty light. I'm gonna I'm gonna go in again, but I first impression is that I enjoy it. What about you? I think it's good. Uh, I just tried it, and it's it's very light and very crushable which is words that you want to say when you're experimenting with a Kolsch because yeah. Kolsch's are supposed to be highly quaffable, uh, to quote one of my favorite beer words ever. Yeah. Uh, and I want to quaff this with much vigor, and it is. It's super drinkable. It's very light. It does have a lot of malt presence, which mm-hmm. adds a bit of sweetness, um, which I don't know if I necessarily love, but I I do like this beer overall. I think it's it's drinkable for sure, like... Very smooth, very straightforward. Um, not a lot of rough edges. It's like very smooth on the mouthfeel. Doesn't leave much of a bitter aftertaste. I like the the little bit of a hoppiness in it. Overall, yeah, it's not not too bad. What do you think on your second drink? Yeah, I think you saying that that the malt bill adds a bit of sweetness is a pretty big understatement. It's it's in my, at least to me super super sweet to the yeah to the point where it's almost off putting a bit. Um, yeah, because it is that sort of heavy molasses sweetness that I think is just really, really penetrating through almost everything else. Mm. It's it's this weird dance it's doing between being so light, um, mouthfeel wise, and, and just kind of drinking experience in general. But the flavor is pretty heavy, skewed towards the sweet side, um, and it's not striking the best balance for me. Yeah, I could kind of see that, and a lot of times blondes are kind of like that, and I was kind of anticipating that with it. I thought I didn't realize it was a Kolsch. I just read the can and assumed it was a Blondale. Yeah, well, they, as you um, as you would, yeah, yeah. And that definitely that flavor profile fits a Blondale because I think when I think Blondale, I think a little bit sweeter, a little bit maltier. Yes, but I, I don't think it's bad. I definitely see what you mean about the sweetness and how that could be off putting. Yeah, if you're not like anticipating that. Yeah, I, I also I don't I don't dislike it. I suppose I'm, I'm certainly going to drink mine. Um, but I don't know that I would go for it again necessarily. It's also, there's nothing, um, flavor wise, even outside of that sweetness that strikes me as particularly unique, um, or terribly exciting. That said, I did want to circle back around, uh, when you were talking about going to this brewery, like when I think of Red Bluff, I don't necessarily think craft beer. Um, so it's really neat to me that there is a brewery up there that is putting out product that they are putting effort into and, and trying to sort of, in my brain, bridge the gap between Chico and Redding a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I like that. Like it's this brewery gets points for me just for sort of existing, which I don't know right. if is a cheap point, but I'm still getting it. <laughs> like you're I don't know. you're I there. You should get credit for existing. I think that that's a fair point to give. Yeah, in the same vein of in my brain stereotypes of Red Bluff, I don't necessarily see that as being the hugest craft beer market. I haven't mm. spent a ton of time there. You've obviously done more. But I mean, I, I think how you said 2012 they've been making beer? Mm-hmm. And Red Bluff the whole time? Yes. Yeah. Well, they're doing well. Great. Um, any more thoughts on this that you have? Um, no. I mean, it's it's very simple. 
uh, and very very straightforward. Uh, I it does err on the side of sweetness, but I I personally don't find that super uh, negative mm-hmm. overall. I think it's it's a pretty solid beer. If you're expecting that blonde ale sweet profile, then this is gonna be up your alley. I think it's solid. I think it's solidly average. This is a good beer. I'm not gonna say it's great, but I think it's pretty good. Okay, then Rocky Pond Blonde Johnny out of ten. What are you giving it? Uh, out of ten, this beer feels like a six point eight. Okay, a six point eight. That's uh, a couple notches higher than what I'm gonna go with. For me, it is approachable, but the sweetness from a personal standpoint is just too much for me. I don't think it's offensive, but again, not super unique. So I'm actually gonna go a four, just kind of below middle of the road because of that heavy sort of molassesy stuff on the end. It's just not not my thing. That's fair. Um, well, what say, sir? We put Cedar Crest on hold for a minute. Maybe uh, enjoy some more of this beer while we listen to a trailer for Mank. Mank? It's Orson Welles. Of course it is. I think it's time we talk. What is it the writer says? Tell the story you know. Everyone. Make yourself to home, Mr. Mankowitz, or shall I call you Herman? Please, call me Mank. 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 This is Herman Mankowitz, but we're to call him Mank. Mankowitz. Herman Mankowitz. New York playwright and drama critic turned humble screenwriter, Mr. Hurst. This is a business where the buyer gets nothing for his money but a memory. What he bought still belongs to the man who sold it. That's the real magic of the movies. Thunder, lightning, blood, fire, religion. Help! Someone save me! All in one film. That's director proof. That's why I always want Mank around. I hear you're hunting dangerous game. God bless William Randolph Hearst. Ready and willing to hunt the great white whale? Just call me Ahab. Do come in. At this rate, you will never finish. You said 90 days. Well, said 60. I'm doing the best I can. I've put up with your suicidal drinking, your compulsive gambling, your silly platonic affairs. You owe me, Herman. Who do you think you are? You're nothing but a court jester. What I want to know is why you think of it. It's a bit of a jumble, the collection of fragments that leap around in time like Mexican jumping beans. Welcome to my mind, old sock. Him, I get. But what did Marion ever do to deserve it's this? It's not her. Not all characters are headliners. Some are secondary. You pick a fight with Willie. You are finished. Mayor can't save you. Nobody can. Especially the boy genius from New York. I removed any distraction, eliminated every excuse. Your family, your cronies, liquor. I gave you a second chance. You cannot capture a man's entire life in two hours. All you can hope is to leave the impression of what? Why Hurst? Outside his own blonde Betty Boop, you're always his favorite dinner partner. Are you familiar with the parable of the organ grinder's monkey? (laughs) Again, that was a trailer for the new David Fincher film, Mank. And we're going to borrow the description, short and sweet, from Letterboxd, which says, 1930s Hollywood is reevaluated through the eyes of scathing social critic and alcoholic screenwriter Herman J. Mankiewicz as he races to finish the screenplay of Citizen Kane. Again, this film is directed by David Fincher with, I think appropriately here to mention, maybe we'll spend some more time talking about uh, screenwriters in general, but this one was written by uh, David Fincher's dad, his late father, Jack Fincher, who was a, a journalist and, and writer. Um, I can't, he passed away relatively recently. 
Um, and I, we'll talk about that more later. But also worth pointing out, the cinematographer on this film, Eric Messerschmidt, who has worked with David Fincher on several projects over the years, but most recently Mindhunter on Netflix. He also worked with him on Gone Girl back in, I believe, 2014. Uh, Johnny, tell me who did the music for this. I know you're a fan. Yes, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross did the music for this movie. Which are they are they both cool. Nine Inch Nails? Uh, no, they just collaborate a lot. They've done they're from different things. Yeah, okay, but more and more music in film over the past I don't know maybe four or five years I think. Yeah, most notably they did all of the music in Watchmen the series oh, nice. for HBO. Yeah, that was really critically acclaimed. They got got quite a bit of of praise for that and then i want to say there was a couple of the movies we've watched that have had their their music featured yeah i think yeah i was trying to think of them too but i also could not recall any off the top of my head hmm. yeah that's uh, fine but uh back to mank this does star gary oldman as the titular herman mankowitz uh, mank for short amanda seyfried plays marion davies there's a whole list of people here that we'll talk about in this discussion but i think for the most part um i'm only gonna i'm gonna leave it at that for now and we can come back around if we want uh, Johnny, release information. Where can people watch this? When did it come out? How long is it? That kind of stuff. Uh, if you're like me, you're going to watch this on Netflix. It dropped December 4th this year. To ignore Just... that next line, that's fake. Okay, cool. And it runs two hours, 11 minutes long. Yeah, if you haven't seen this advertised on Netflix, I don't... If you're a Netflix person, I, I, I'm willing to bet that it's coming kind of come across your sort of new and, new and hot on Netflix, sort of, you know, that line that they promote stuff on. Yeah, um, but yeah, it's a, it's an all black and white film, sort of, kind of emulating uh, Citizen Kane. We also, if you notice in the description of this episode, the title of the episode rather, we have Citizen Kane in there because we are going to be talking Citizen Kane in a bit. Johnny and I both dove in and watched it for the first time, which I've been dreading saying because it does feel a little bit heretical. Um, but we'll be weaving in. I think it's hard not to. So we'll be weaving in some Citizen Kane talk throughout all of this. Um, but I want to just start kind of normal. Johnny, what did you? Uh, what did you know about Mank going in? And what did you think on a on a first viewing? Um, I knew that it was about the writing of Citizen Kane. I didn't know much more than that. Uh, I also knew that it was very much a prerequisite to be familiar somewhat to or with Citizen Kane before watching it. Uh, and I watched Citizen Kane twenty four hours before I watched Mank. Pretty happy I did that. Mm-hmm. It was still very fresh because there was. Many, 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 many references in this movie to Citizen Kane. Um, so, yeah, that's really all I knew was it was just kind of about the writing pr- uh, process. And I didn't know if it was going to be collaborative with Orson Welles and Herman Mankiewicz. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, so I, I didn't know what to expect going in. Relatively blind. I hadn't watched any trailers. Really just knew it on David Fincher's reputation and my love for him. Sure. Uh, and I love like period pieces and black and whites that just seemed cool. So, plus it was a good excuse to watch Citizen Kane. So, all in all, mostly blind and ignorant. So, just how I lived my life. Okay, and then and then thoughts on it. Did you like it? You know, I really did. I liked it a lot. Uh, I I'm really curious as to how factual it is. Yeah. Um, this movie is made in a way that would want you to believe that it seemed like. A lot of this maybe was true or drawn from from life and whatnot as far as the inspiration for the character Citizen Kane and whatnot. Uh, so I'm gonna, I'm looking forward to doing a bit more research into the, the factuality of this. But uh, overall, I thought it was very entertaining. I thought it was a fascinating look into the world of writers in Hollywood in like the 1930s. I loved the fast-paced dialogue. I mm-hmm. really loved all the dialogue in this movie. It was... So refreshing and crisp and like 
well-written and well-directed that um, it was one of those movies I couldn't look away from and I couldn't turn my ear from. Like I just wanted to, to pay attention to it the whole time. And I think Gary Oldman is, uh, as he usually is, pretty damn fantastic in this. And uh, I liked Amanda Seyfried, which is something I don't, very, I, I don't think I've ever said. Oh, really? Yeah, I'm not a big fan of hers at all, but okay. I liked her in this. Um, but yeah, overall, I, I liked it. I thought it was a really cool look uh, and then kind of a um, bio, biographical, not autobiographical, but a biographical look at Mankiewicz, theoretically. I don't know how much of it's right. true, but if it is a stylized, you know, fiction, it was uh, it was a pretty good one. Yeah, fair, man. Um, I I had some similar thoughts. I, I didn't know a whole lot going in either. It was it was very much. I mean, I mean, I, 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 no shame in saying I didn't even know the name Herman uh, Mankiewicz until I did a little digging on this, and, and which actually comes up in this movie because there's sort of a debate between not really a debate, but it's a contractual thing where um, basically Mankiewicz almost didn't get credit for writing Citizen Kane because uh, it was a contractual agreement where he agreed to like sign it away for sort of a I think a lump sum up front. Um, but anyways, that's all to say didn't know much going in, but I did also like it okay. Um, it's visually gorgeous. I don't think like I was under the impression it might try to look like Citizen Kane, but it super doesn't. Like Citizen Kane was very sharp, and um, we can talk about cinematog- cinematographical techniques later if we want. But this was very much like a stylized, almost kind of like like glowy kind of thing throughout. Um, but it was still lovely to look at. Um, I think Gary Oldman was fantastic. It, the whole cast in general was was really good. Um, I'm trying to just look through the cast list really quick. Um, I mean, Charles Dance is always great. He played uh, William Randolph Hearst, who, if you don't know, was sort of the inspiration for uh, Kane, the character of Kane in Citizen Kane. Um, he's always great. Rita Alexander is or the character Rita Alexander, played by Lily Collins, who is sort of tasked with keeping Mank on a leash while he's trying to write the script and not get him, not let him get too drunk, um, is also fantastic. Uh, so good performances all around. I. I don't know that this movie would have been enticing to me at all, though, outside of some of that stuff, if I hadn't watched Citizen Kane, which is sort of a tricky spot to be in. But on the other hand, it's Citizen Kane. And I think most people that are going in to watch Mank will have seen that movie or like us will watch it just to watch this movie. Yeah, this movie operates under the assumption that you have a working understanding of Citizen Kane, which is a pretty fair assumption. Yeah, yeah, right. You know, constantly over over the you know almost eighty years since that movie's been released, it's widely considered one of, if not the best movie ever made. Um, and Johnny, you and I were talking before we sat down for this conversation, and I think we kind of both agreed that we're not necessarily going to add too much to the Citizen Kane conversation, which is part of the reason yeah. we're not necessarily dwelling on that movie too much. There's tons out there. Um, I am fairly convinced over the past couple of weeks because uh, we've been sort of queuing up the the Kane Mank pairing for a few weeks now and it's been pushed back. Um, but I've been doing digging and learning more and more. And there's a very good case for Citizen Kane being one of the best movies, if not the best of all time, um, just on on the way it's made alone and to say nothing else of what it's about. Um, but coming back around, yeah, I don't I don't know that Mank stands on its own. I think there's some parallels thematically that we'll get into that are makes the viewing experience of Mank so much richer having sort of the um yeah the context of Citizen Kane uh which I think leads me to a question that I wanted to ask you um and something that I really enjoyed which is like this this ideology in the movie of this kind of constant conversation of like the Hollywood machine and how ethics come into play like 
I think it's safe to say. Are, are we worried about spoilers for Mank? Uh, I think it, we can say we'll spoiler it going ahead now. That's fine. Yeah, I don't. There's it's again like one of those things where it's not necessarily the type of movie that leads up to like this giant boiling point, and then it's like ah, oh, the, the twist. So, but if you do want to yeah, go blind, yeah, there's we're gonna spoil. You also. <laughs> You also kind of already spoiled the end about him fighting for his sure. credit. Yeah, sure. That was a main thing at the end, so. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um. So basically, um, Mank is, there's a big, do you notice, <laughs> my thoughts are all over the place. I'm going to try to dial them in. There's a political uh, uh, gubernatorial race that happens, and one of the, um, one of the candidates. Gubernatorial? Gubernatorial race. And one of the candidates, I thought I was crazy, but it was actually played by Bill Nye. Did you catch that? <laughs> No. Yeah. Wow, that's um, crazy. I can't think of the guy's name right now. Hang on. I'll Sinclair. Find yeah, Sinclair. Upton Sinclair, the, the the novelist who wrote um The Jungle back in like the early 1900s was running. Did he did he write The Rocketeer? I do not know that. Maybe. Cuz I I've heard that name and I'm pretty sure he was like portrayed as a character in The Rocketeer. Wasn't oh, really? the guy that was the communist that was trying to steal the uh the rocket? Wasn't he Upton Sinclair? I have no idea. I don't, I don't, I've never seen it or read it. You've never seen The Rocketeer? No, sir. Huh. But yeah, find out for me. Let me know. I'm going to look into it. All this to say, there is, at the time of this gubernatorial race, uh, Herman Mankiewicz is working for, at least in this film, MGM Studios. And there's sort of a smear campaign that's created from the inside to, uh, to make, convince people not to vote for Sinclair. And what I found interesting was that Mank kind of stayed true to his sort of, we'll, we'll say ethics or morals for now. And he's like, no, this is wrong. Don't do this. And he kind of went that way till the end, which is almost in direct opposition to what um, Kane did in Citizen Kane, where he kind of started with this set of rules and then over time started letting them go. And I thought that interplay was really interesting. Um, and from the perspective of character study uh, makes, I hope for an interesting conversation about the two men um mm-hmm. yeah what, what did you think anything jump out to you we can come back to this if you want i don't want to necessarily hijack the conversation and go down that very specific rabbit hole yet if you had other stuff you wanted to cover from the maybe more general perspective yeah you're all over the place man i know you could rein it in bud i don't even remember what halfway you just said that was confusing damn was it. so much information <laughs> dear god um well yeah i thought it was interesting um because pretty much like you know after he was done with the the screenplay, how it got deep into like politics and whatnot, I thought that was interesting because it was, you know, it makes sense that that was a political hotbed at the time. It's what led to the influence of this character, Citizen Kane, and, and just that direct influence and the rise of, you know, like attempted socialism and whatnot in the elections and how, what's his nuts? God, with the castle starts with an L real life, oh my. real life or yeah, movie. yeah. The, the guy Hearst, the Hearst, William Randolph Hearst. Why did I think it started with an L? I don't know. I don't either. There's an L in there. Yeah. It's crazy. Like I want to read more about that dude. Cause like, wow. You've never been to Hearst castle then I take it. No, I was going to ask you if you had. Yeah. I was taking it once when I was younger. It, it is down in uh, almost Southern California. It's probably Southern California from where we are. Um, but it's not like proper Southern. Or maybe it is. I don't know. I was there when I was like 14. So it could have been anywhere in the world. I didn't know. What I did remember yeah. is it was this giant, It like pretty, you know, the movie takes you right to it. Like it's very accurate, I thought. Um, but this over the top, incredibly just foreign looking palace of a castle. It's wild. Um, hmm. 
and yeah, I think both of these films get that vibe right. Um, and it just really kind of puts, puts the perspective of how, how larger than life, um, Hearst or, or Kane really was. Yeah. Yeah. And is it pretty much, is it's historical fact then? Yeah. That Hearst was the inspiration for citizen Kane. Yeah. Yeah. That, that part's true. Okay. Outside of Mank, that's just that's a fact in the world because yes. I, I wasn't sure about that. Yeah, it was it was a pretty big deal because a lot of, I mean, again, I haven't fact checked the entire film, but the big thing about Citizen King when it came out is that it was sort of blacklisted by a bunch of theaters because Hearst really did own a bunch of newspapers and had a lot of sway and basically was like, "Don't play this movie, or or bad things will happen." Basically. Um, so wow. for a long time, like nobody even really saw Citizen Kane. Um, and it got like a ton of bad reviews and, uh, it wasn't until quite a bit later that people were like, Oh, this is a great, uh, a great, great movie. Hmm. Yeah. That's wild. I definitely want to read more about Hearst now for sure. This has sparked an interest and in the movie Mank itself sparked quite a bit of interest just seeing, you know, even if it is a fictional representation, but the inspiration coming from this wild family and this crazy situation and just yeah what an interesting time to be alive man yeah i mean not even to in the world certainly but even in in the technological side of things like we're just getting into film with sound mm-hmm. um like which is can you orson orson wells this was he was 23 when he made this movie it was his first film ever um got approval i think they said this in the beginning of mank too it was like a title card they're like you can make whatever movie you want the studio is not giving you any oversight here's your budget do your thing which was like never had never happened before. And the fact that he came out with this, this screenplay that was so non-traditional and very, very complicated, especially for viewers who at the time were used to very linear storytelling and it worked and it got made and people ended up liking it is, I don't know, man, there's something about the mythology behind Citizen Kane. That was part of the reason that I was, we've waited this long to even cover it. Cause it's so intimidating. Like people like Citizen Kane, Citizen Kane. Um, and to that movie's credit, I will say, it's not nearly as intimidating as I thought. It's very watchable. I think it's pretty entertaining, and I enjoyed it, and I think it holds up really well. Totally, yeah. I I went in, you know, with not being intimidated, more just like, all right, I'm going to watch this thing. Let's see why sure. it's so good. Like, I figured I'd like it if it's supposed to be the number one movie of all time and figured it would be somewhat watchable because, I mean, if you're going to be number one, you got to be enjoyable by a vast array, not just movie nerds that want to sit there with a, you know, a, a notebook. And uh, no, I dug Citizen Kane. I thought it was really, really good and so far ahead of its time. It's not even funny. Like we've spoken about this before about you look at some of the classics and see, realize the foundation and the groundwork that they laid for movies. And you can see its inspiration spider webbing throughout cinema history. And this is definitely Citizen Kane was definitely one of those movies. Yeah, dude. The the cinematographer on Citizen Kane was a guy named Greg Toland who had done a bunch of work. He was, he was older than uh, Wells, but Basically, Orson Welles is like, okay, I know that I want this guy, Greg, to 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 shoot this movie. And uh, there's a story of them getting together. And basically, Toland, Greg Toland was just like, all right, explain your vision to me. And we will do it however we possibly can in within the realm of possibility. And that led to all of these really cool uh, like transitions and ways of shooting scenes. And um, if you do any research on Citizen Kane, you'll see the term deep focus tossed around quite a bit, which is at the time, a very, very groundbreaking way of uh, focusing a shot. You basically and what is that? It's where everything in in the entire frame is in focus. Um, okay. As opposed to like, uh, you know, when that's not the case, when just the foreground is in focus, what that does and why that movie was, or at least those shots were so groundbreaking is that like 
you can see everything, which makes it feel more lived in and real, but also like it gives the director and the cinematographer a way to like draw an audience's eye to certain things. Like there's that scene where, um, uh, Kane is outside as a kid playing on the snow and he's like having the greatest time of his life. And like, meanwhile, inside his parents are like, you know, selling him away and we get to watch both of things happen at the same time. And like, that was not possible or if it was, nobody did it. And that's like that weird sort of collision of new technology and new ideas and a group of people that are willing to try it all out and an audience that's like, sure, why not? Wild. There's yeah. all that stuff throughout the movie. And uh, yeah. that's just one kind of small example, but great. That's that's, that's yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting, man. There's so many things that that movie did that like there was no bar. They just set the bar. They're like, this is, this is how it's done. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Just, I mean, the, yeah. The, the perk about making a, a movie or anything like that in any medium's infancy is there's no one there telling you not to. Cause it's like, just because it hasn't been done, but shit movies have been around for like five years. So who cares? Just right. <laughs> yeah. And more than that, the people that are funding it are still like, yeah, we don't care. Do it. Uh, mm-hmm. I think the, the studio was, uh, F forgive me. I think it's F was FKO RKO RKO. Thank you. Uh, might've been having a tough time. And they're like, let's, let's, you know, let's throw out the playbook and see what this kid brings to it mm-hmm. to the table. Yeah. Some metaphors. Um, totally. yeah, man, it's, it's, I think that both of these, could be rewatched together and and maybe infinitely and just glean more and more um, knowledge and inspiration and understanding about where, where Mank was coming from for sure. Um, yeah. But I did want to ask then after all this talk, do you think that if you haven't seen Citizen Kane, you should watch Mank or no? No, honestly, I don't, th- I don't think you would get it. Uh, you, I mean, you could get it, you would get it, Yeah. but you wouldn't get it. You know what I mean? Like it would still be an enjoyable movie, but it wouldn't be like, nearly as understandable um yeah i was thinking that during the my watching of mank that yeah. like boy if i hadn't watched citizen kane last night even and everything's super fresh i might not have uh enjoyed this movie nearly as much but since i did watch it and it was so fresh that it was uh much more enjoyable so no definitely watch citizen kane and watch it as close as possible to this movie i think for maximum yeah. viewing pleasure yeah, I'm with you. I don't I don't think I would get it. Like, it's a fine character study. I think the stuff I said in the beginning, performance-wise, it all holds up. Um, there's some great shots in this movie, but ultimately I I, I think it's uh yeah, I think it's gotta be a pair. I don't it, it obviously couldn't exist story-wise on its own, but I don't I don't even think it should stand alone necessarily. And I think that no. Fincher gets that. Yeah, exactly. He yeah, I mean, you're building a movie about the making of the classic movie. Yeah. yeah. Like it's 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 you it's one without the other is is pointless so yeah absolutely must watch citizen kane and i'm glad we did how soon or how far apart did you watch these two movies uh i watched them both today oh damn son yeah i started citizen kane um well what do you think it was when i texted you that we bought it like a, two weeks ago not quite a couple weeks ago yeah um and i watched an hour of it and then i paused it because i had and then i didn't come back to it so i figured today i just better start it over um, so yeah, I watched them both back to back, uh, which helped a lot just to kind of pick up on all the different, um, yeah, like sort of links between them and, and nods and references. And, um, yeah, you said you watched them, uh, one after the other, uh, over the course of two nights. Yeah. Just two nights in a row. Yeah. All right. I'm going to, huh. yeah, I'll go back. I think I'm going to go, I'll go back to Citizen Kane probably a bunch over the next 20 years, but I don't know that I'm going to revisit Mank. I think, I think I won't. Oh, really? Yeah. I do think that it would be a nice way to sort of appreciate Citizen Kane more, but so is watching Citizen Kane, you know? I mean, that's fair. 
uh, in the same way that I don't think you and I maybe add too much to the conversation of Citizen Kane, I don't know that this movie adds to it either. Uh, the opposite is the opposite, though. Citizen Kane adds all of it to Mank, and Mank doesn't do so much for Citizen Kane, I don't think, which is fine. I don't know. I think uh, looking closer at how the greatest movie ever made got made is pretty important, and I think it does add something to it. It adds a background to it, and if some of those scenes were true as far as the interaction between Mankiewicz and Wells, I think some of the inspiration for some of the most pivotal scenes in Citizen Kane could have come from their direct interactions, and I think that shit's fascinating. You know, yeah, so, I, do, I do too. That's that's a fair point. So, yeah, I would say it adds quite a bit for me personally because the story behind the story, I mean, it's like it's like a behind the music for the greatest movie ever made, and I, I ate it up. I was like, oh, oh, that's why he wrote it like that, and like, oh, shit, that's why that's like that mm-hmm. in the movie. Sure, like, sure. that moments like that kept happening, and that's why I was like, I hope this isn't just make believe because I want this to be true. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, if it's if it's factual about the writing, which I don't know how you verify that, I'm gonna have to do some research into it. Then, yeah, personally, I think it does add something to Citizen Kane, and I don't think there needs to be any more movies like this made. Like one's enough. Yeah, I think that's right. But yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna definitely watch it again. I'm gonna watch both of them again. Um, Citizen Kane was one of the best movies I've ever seen, and it was. Such an amazing character study. The Orson Welles just blew me out of the water as with as an actor. Yeah. I was shocked. Yeah. So yeah, I agree. We're not going to add a whole lot, but just I, I'd be uh, neglectful if I didn't add my two cents. That yep, it was really good. I liked it. Everyone we're, was right. Everyone was right. We're movie reviewers, and yeah. Citizen Kane was really good. At the end. <laughs> Yeah, so that's an episode. Yeah. Yep. We're, so that's it. We're done. All right, Johnny Mank on Netflix. Give me an out of ten, sir. Uh, out of 10, this movie felt like an 8.2 for me. 8.2. That's pretty good. By the way, I don't know why I said like Netflix was the qualifier. Like Mank on Netflix. Uh, I meant to say just Mank out of 10. But yeah, 8.2. Um, I'm going to come in with a... a I'm going to come in with a hot 7, man. Okay. Just, yeah. That's, I figured you'd be around a 7. Yeah, it feels right to me. I Again, I just I think it lends a lot or of, of, of maybe not... Um, necessarily understanding but inspiration to citizen kane heck it was the reason we ended up queuing it up for this so good movie great performances everything we just said uh i think it's i think it's good you got anything else on mank uh i think if you gave it a bit more time and let citizen kane marinate for a little bit longer and then Mm -hmm. watch this it might have a bit might slap a little bit different but since you like went like back to back it might have been like in fact too soon maybe so i don't know Watch Citizen Kane again, and then if you feel like watching this, you know, call me in the morning. Sure. Okay, Mank is on Netflix. It's available to stream if you get a chance to watch it and you agree with us or disagree with us. Uh, we'd love to hear it, all the stuff at the top of the show. But if you have more than a few sentences, yeah, send us an email, fhccast at gmail.com. Johnny Summers, my friend, would you like to take a break? Yeah, let's take a break. It is 2021. That terrible dumpster fire of a year 2020 is behind us. Are you on a health kick? You got some resolutions happening? I got a place where you can go get a great salad. The Handlebar, right here in Chico, California. And if your resolutions are a bit less resolute, you can get a beer or a cocktail or a bottle of wine for half off during happy hour every single day of the week from 2 to 6. Go down and check them out, whether you're staunch in your resolutions or you're staunch in your belly. Handlebar Chico. Max, where's it at? 2070 East 20th Street. Happy New Year, everybody. Go support a local business. Again, that's the Handlebar right here in Chico. 2070 East 20th Street. 
Johnny, is it just me or are you feeling crazy right now? I'm feeling crazy. Thanks for going with it. What are we we drinking next? We are drinking Citra Crazy. Yeah. From, you guessed it, Cedar Crest Brewing. It's a New England style pale at 6.1%. Young Maximus Minardi, will you please tell me a little bit about this beer? A Northeast pale ale brewed with all Citra hops. The hops are added at the Whirlpool and then again during the primary fermentation so that the hop flavors and aromas shine. In fact... We use over five pounds of hops per barrel. I'm no good at math, but that feels like quite a few hops. Uh, yeah. I've opened my can. I have not poured it yet. I'm wondering, sir, have you poured yours? I've poured and I have tasted. Oh, give me impressions on sight, smell, and taste, if you don't mind. And touch. Sight. If you want to stick your finger and in it. Let me see. <laughs> I'm not going to finger my beer on the radio. You're coming. Well, it's definitely not see-through. The lighting in this room is terrible, so I'm not going to take a stab at the color of it. It's definitely like a dark uh, orangish yellow, that's for sure. Oh, yeah. Uh, It smells like a big old IPA. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, okay. How's it taste? Uh, It's pretty punchy. There's definitely a ton of citra hops in here, uh, and it's met with a... An underlying current of sweetness that kind of runs through this beer from the front to the back. Have you tried it yet? Just had a drink. That is all correct. Um, it's yeah, no, that's all. You're you're on on track for sure. I don't know. If there's I've had a small sip, so I ha- can't add too much. But there's a lot of sweetness, not unlike the sweetness that was in uh, the first beer. It's it's almost like a not quite molasses here. I think the hops cut it quite a bit, but it it changes to almost like a like a tropical fruit, like a mango or papaya kind of undercurrent mm-hmm. that's going, which is, I think, pretty nice. Um, it's pretty bubbly, and it's a little bit a little bit thin uh, for all the flavor I'm getting, but my first impression is relatively favorable. Yeah, I like the hop bite quite a bit. Um, I, it's well documented that I don't like New England-style beers much these days. Uh, I do like them if they have, you know, more of a hop presence, more of a, a punchy IPA flavor versus the... The, the juicier orange Julius, orange juicy type stuff. Uh, and this this walks that line pretty tight, and I'm not sure if I'm in love with it. Yeah, there is a ton, obviously, of of citrus flavor going on. It's very, very orangey, which mm-hmm. is, it's, yeah, man, I don't, I can't think of the last time we did a New England pale, much less one that focused on a single hop. And not mm-hmm. even, not even too, too in, not, I don't want to say interesting, but, um, you know, it's, a citrus is a pretty common hop. Um, I think the approach of making uh, New England pale ale with it and trying to make it extra hoppy, uh, it was a weird move, but on paper, interesting. And I, I don't know that it's necessarily a hundred percent working for me either, but I don't dislike it. I think, I think I like it more than you do. Uh, I mean, I definitely like it. Um, yeah, the sweetness is what gets me, but that's just stylistically, that's the catch, but I'm, I'm really digging the hot presence right up front. It just, it fills your nose and your mouth with that booming bitterness of citra hops that is just that like citrus pithy, zingy, dry, bitter. Uh, it's like everything I love in a hop and just there's a ton of it right up front. Uh, where it loses me is that sweetness. And I won't say it loses me where it, where my interest falls off slightly, let's say. Yeah, that's is, a nice way is, that, is that sweetness. But like I'm here for the hops, man. I'm here for it all day. I really now kind of want to get my hands on some of their clear IPAs and see what they're like. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. both of their beers that we've done have this through line of this, this sweetness that is, it's palpable and it's really hard to ignore. Uh, and I'm wondering 
what the rest of their beers taste like, but I was told that these two are their best sellers. So yeah. this is what they wanted to be judged on. Behold, thou shalt be judged. Thou shalt face judgment. I yeah, man, I'm I'm coming up sort of in the same realm that I did with the first in the sense that it's not necessarily super memorable, but that doesn't make it bad. You know, there's I think there's a really, really uh prominent place in my heart slash fridge for a beer that is drinkable doesn't necessarily demand the spotlight, um, but also doesn't kind of crawl into a dark corner and hiss at you when you go near it. Like it's just, you know, it's just sitting there to be drank. Uh, kind of, what's the sound that a frog makes that isn't a ribbit? You know, when they're like near a pond, you just hear frogs croaking. I can't do it, but that's how this feels. It's just kind of hanging over there and I could just go and catch that frog and drink it whenever I want. I think that's a really good quality in this beer. This would be a great fridge beer. Great fridge beer. Great fridge beer to just be like, yeah, I got a four pack in the fridge. Help yourself, bud. Citra crazy. Yeah, like if you have a friend come over who's kind of new to craft beer, maybe isn't interested in like the latest, I don't know, Degard. Uh, you're like, here, try this one. It's mm-hmm. fairly approachable. Yeah, you know, it is. It's it's quality. It's it's simplicity. Uh, it's it's a pretty well made beer. Mm-hmm. Uh, for what it is. As a New England pale ale, I, I like it more than a lot of New England's just because it does have that hop presence. Um, I agree completely that this is a killer fridge beer. This is something, since I can get my hands on, like, if once we can have parties again, this would be something I'd bring to a party. Be like, hey, have you had this this little brewery from Red Bluff? It's pretty cool. Yeah. Right? Check yeah. it out. Right, right. So, yeah, I, I like it. I like the Citra Punch. I wish it was a little less sweet, but I say that about most things because I think I'm just bitter. Yeah, that's probably what it is. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. That's good, man. Yeah, I'm into it too. I, I actually was speaking for way too long in some weird analogy that I was just trying to make. So I'm going to take another drink, but um, I think I'm pretty much with you. Is there anything uh, besides the sweetness that, that is jumping out to you is like bad or something you maybe don't love? Um, Nothing really bad, no. I mean, the aftertaste is as expected with excuse me, this many citra hops, uh, the burp tasted good. So it's got that going for it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would order a non new England style version of this beer and drink it all day. So for me, these beers that they, the two that we've tried have been consecutively getting closer to something that's right in my wheelhouse. So I feel like this brewery has potential. I will say that. And I feel like I want to explore them a little bit more. Um, Based on the two beers that I've had, I'd say they're definitely above average, especially for the breweries that we have that are not gigantic billion-dollar breweries in Northern California. So I'm into it, man. I want to try more of their stuff. I like this one definitely more than the the Blonde Kolsch, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I, I'm enjoying this. It's definitely, if I wanted, it reminds me in the approachability of the the hazy little thing. Like yeah, that beer that beer's hazy, but it's not like over the top sweet, and it's got a little bit of hoppiness. Like that beer, like this one, is very approachable and very drinkable. Like it's not and too much of any one thing. And I think you know sometimes having a little bit of self control as a beer is is a good thing, just to stay kind of in the middle, stay a little centrist, don't lean too far left or right, and uh, you know it's it's pleasing overall. I, you know, it's funny you bring up hazy little thing because I remember feeling the way that you're describing about this beer when it first came out, but more and more lately, it feels so heavy to me. And, and 
hazy little thing by Sierra Nevada is only 6.7%. Um, and again, this beer is 6.1. So I guess that translates a little bit and kind of makes sense. But I, I would reach for this before I went for hazy little thing. And I think it scratches the same itch. Like right. You're saying like, I, I don't know that I'd objectively say that it's better. Um, but I do think, man, I, I, maybe I'd have to try them side by side to be for sure. But there are a lot of those same sweet elements. I just think that hazy little thing turns it up a little bit and that translates to a heavier drinking experience. Like a lot of their beers end up doing anyways, but, um, I sort of like the sweetness and I think I was criticizing sort of the thinness on the mouth here, but I don't know. After a few more drinks, I'm like this is, this is pretty drinkable. Yeah. I took a, a couple of big mouthfuls and I was wondering where that, the thin comment came from. Cause I wasn't getting that at all. Oh, I still feel but, like that, but maybe I'm, I should have said light, maybe not thin. Yeah. It's definitely not thin, but yeah, I could see the lightness. It's, but I'm not necessarily mad at that either. Like, oh, it's, this is light and drinkable. Screw it. I hate it. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It works really <laughs> well. Um, cause yeah. I, I don't know. I don't like that weird juxtaposition of, of heavy sweetness. Like, yeah. like something, I mean, what's it? I'm trying to give a really good example of a, like a heavy New England IPA or a pale or something, but I think I'm coming up short. If I think of something, I'll let you know. Yeah. Um, but in the meantime, citric, like, hazy. I'm, I don't, I don't want to get hammered off monkish. No. Well, I mean, there's worse ways to spend a Monday, you know? Yeah, there are. But That's true. <laughs> I, um, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. I feel like this beer is about as sweet as I would want to go with New England style beer. Hmm. Like this is a good example of like my the top of my sweetness tolerance for this style. Which is also to say I would I would hazard a guess this is basically as sweet as you could if you went any less sweet, any more bitter, you'd basically fall out of the the, the traditional flavor profiles of a New England beer? I don't know. I've definitely had them. We've done them on the show that are way more hoppy and way less sweet than this and that were still New England styles. What was the one that we did where it was listed as one of those things, but it was very clearly, or maybe not clearly, um, the other? Do you remember that? We had a conversation about it. Wasn't that one of the Equilibrium beers? <sighs> maybe. Maybe we were just talking yeah. about Equilibrium, though, and that's why it came up. Who knows? Excuse me. That's possible. But, yeah, this this is... Uh, the top of the echelon. There's definitely room in the middle somewhere in there. Yeah, sure. But uh, yeah. All right. Well, do you want to rate this beer? Yeah, let's do it. I'm going to go um, out of 10. I'm, I think I'm falling pretty, pretty happily on a six. Yeah. Yeah. All the reasons, but just super approachable. I'd buy it again. Did, were we given these or did you purchase these? Uh, we were given these. That's dope. Okay. Well, do you know how much they cost? Uh, uh-uh. uh, I'm going to find out. I think it was on their website, but uh, um, yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to be very content with a six out of 10. What about you? Uh, for me, this beer better than the first one. Um, definitely a new England style that I would have in my fridge. And that alone uh, is a huge thumbs up for me. If you know anything about my personal taste. Mm-hmm. So uh, this feels like a seven, one for me. Seven by one. That's pretty good, man. Yeah. I enjoy this significantly more than a lot of new England style beers out there on the market. Yeah. Um, okay. It runs at the brewery for $7 a pint or $12 for a growler, which I, could that be a 64 ounce growler? You think there's no way. I don't know. Maybe. I have no idea. Well, that's a good price. If it's, if it's 12 bucks for a 64 ounce growler, that's a great, that's a great price. I think. Yeah. I'd fucks with that. Is it not a great price? I feel like it is right. That's no, that's a great price. Seven bucks a pint. You get what math, math, math. You get four of those in a, uh, in a, you know, a traditional growler. So yeah, great price. Yeah. Okay. Or well, if it's, even if it's a 32 ounce growler, that's still a good price. It, well, 
That's true. I guess kind of. That's more like just six bucks a pint. Yeah. I guess it's fine. Which is a dollar off from the tap room, man. That's true. <laughs> All right. Uh okay. Well then I suppose we'll uh we'll put this beer to bed. What do you think? Yeah, let's put it to bed. Thanks again to Cedar Crest Brewery for providing our beers for the show this week. I enjoyed doing them and tasting them, and I'm kind of looking forward to getting in there and trying some more beers. What do you say? Yeah, I agree, man. Let's let's do it sometime, particularly when uh, we can do it with no masks and when COVID has been defeated. Um, yeah, they've got a big patio. We could sit far apart. Oh, sick, really? So, yeah, we could theoretically oh. take a trip up there and socially distance and have some patio beers. Well, let's do it. Yeah, let's do that. Oh, you know what could be fun? Here's another shameless Patreon plug. We'll do that, and we'll bring some beers back and, and do round two of this on Patreon. We'll do some uh, bonus beer reviews. That could be fun. Perfect. Okay. We could bring. We should. What we should do is go try a few, and then R- mobile bring recording back. setup. Or they'd probably let us do that easily. But yeah. also, I was thinking, bring back our favorite and then review it on Patreon. Ah, smart. That way we get a drink yeah. a little bit more. Exactly. Nice. I like where your head's at. Yeah. So once again, thanks Cedar Crest. This was fun. Uh, and now on to hot and bothered. Hot and bothered. If you're just joining us on the show, you've never heard an episode before. That's not a weird way of us talking about us being horny. It's stuff that's got us very excited or very upset. We stuck them together, called it hot and bothered. Johnny Summers, per usual, uh, I noticed you're breaking format here, not sticking with the album film thing, but I am curious what all of these things mean. I know one of them for sure, and I can't wait. It's the end of your list. But first, uh, what about The Mandalorian season two? Hot or bothered? Oh, man, so hot. We finished it on Christmas Day. It was fantastic. I got Don't spoil Disney. it. I got to say that first. Don't spoil it for me. Oh, no spoilers at all. Okay. I would never, because there is a huge spoiler. Huge. Huge. Okay. Um, but no, I waited till it was all out, and then I opted for the Disney Plus subscription so I could just knock it out and Wait, 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 wait. What did you just say? I waited till all the episodes were out yes. and then signed up for Disney Plus. Disney Plus, as in the one I've been telling you to sign up for to watch Hamilton? Yeah, I don't give a shit about Hamilton. <laughs> I've been saying for so long, you're like, I don't want to pay for it. No, I won't. I'll you're pay like, for the Mandalorian matter- season two, yeah, okay. but not Hamilton. That's deep. You're wrong, but fine. I mean, you're correct in your logic, but the foundation of that is flawed. Whatever. I make my own choices. I live with them. It's fine. All right. So I paid for, I paid for Mandalorian season two. That's what's up. And we watched all of them Christmas week. And then I watched like the last four Christmas day. So good. Uh, I think personally that visually and story-wise, it blows season one out of the water. And season one was really damn good. Yeah. Um, Apart from one episode where there I thought was a little bit fillery and a little bit um, like, why is any of this happening? This doesn't really fit in with the plot. So there was like a speed bump. Mm -hmm. the rest of the episodes were like all killer no filler super solid great story they just it's just so good so epic it's a very large scale so uh big fan of mandalorian season two if you're like me and you've been on the fence and you don't care about hamilton (laughs) then i would say get disney plus to watch mandalorian season two wait there's also a universe where if you listen to the show and you find yourself at every turn thinking I agree with both of these gentlemen. You can watch both. You can, you can be like me and you can start the Mandalorian season two and have a burning love in your heart for Hamilton. You can do both. Yeah. You don't can. back them into a corner like that. No, I don't. I don't care. Like what you like. Man. Yeah. Love who you love. 
but also I just think you should love The Mandalorian. Fair. Love Hamilton too. I might watch it someday. I, I would. It would make my day, man. I'd love to do a bonus episode on Patreon about that. <sighs> I probably won't. I'm still waiting for. You know, I tell you what, I'll make you a deal. Okay. If you ever release that YouTube video that I paid for of that cover song, I will watch Hamilton. Oh, that's actually fair. I've been, okay. Actually, that'll tie into my hot and bother really nicely. So, deal. Cool. It's a deal. Like, the day that you drop that, I'll watch Hamilton. Okay. Sir, um, on the flip side of things, I would imagine, because we've we've chatted briefly, a little peek behind the curtain there, but I'm going to ask anyways, Midnight Sky is on this list. Is that, what yep. is that, and is it hot or bothered for you? That is a 2020 film that was directed by one... George Reginald Clooney, and it came he, out. Wait, this he directed month. it. Yep. Oh, that's gorgeous. Okay, keep going. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, and it is the most bothered. Oh my god, this movie was trash. It was absolutely. <laughs> wait, tell me, tell me what it was about first. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to spoil this because I don't want anyone watching it, and I don't really care. Okay. Um. So the world is fucked. Okay. Why? There's, they don't ever tell you specifically. Is it aliens? Is it? Uh, don't ever tell you specifically. Very really? vague. The world is fucked. It's uninhabitable. Everyone's dead. Why? Okay. We don't know. Don't think it's worth mentioning. Not. It's, it's a major plot hole. I don't know. Great. Just the world's fucked. That's all you need to know. Right. Hey, the world's fucked. There's one guy left. It's George Clooney. And he's stuck in an observatory in uh, like bumfuck Antarctica. Yeah. Um. He finds out that there's a spaceship coming back from exploring another planet, and he has to let them know that Earth's fucked so they can be fucked in space, I guess. Yeah. So, like, the whole movie is him trying to get to this other observatory because it's a shittier observatory that somehow has a better radio. Makes no sense. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me. I'm getting fired up. So he has to, like, get to this other observatory just to let... The people know that things are not only fucked on Earth, they're fucked in space, too, because they're getting screwed by meteors and smashed oh. in space. And, well, it's not good. Oh, it's no, it's not good. Um, so basically, the whole movie is him just going on this arduous snowmobile journey like, and giving brooding close-ups to get to another place to let people know that they're fucked. And then the movie ends. Um, it Okay. Okay. All right. Well, a couple it's things. dreadfully bad. A couple things here. Yeah. You made up uh, Reginald, right? That's not his middle name. Uh, no, it's Shoot. not. I don't know. It that, could be. No, it's not. That would have made me so happy. Um, okay. It sounds like the recommendation then would be to go listen to the song Midnight Sky by Miley Cyrus instead. Probably. It's probably more enjoyable visually, mm-hmm. even if there's no video. <laughs> um, there's a one-star review here on Letterboxd that says, uh, extra half a star given. Uh, for a sweet Caroline sing-along in space. I want to know what that's about. They sang sweet Caroline. In Who's space. they? The Those people that are space, the astronauts on the spaceship. That's <laughs> fucked. Yeah. Okay. That's a terrible. Yeah. Song. I hate that song. Yeah. It's real cool. This whole movie. Uh, you should pull up my uh, letterbox review of this. Oh yeah, dude. I, we should start. You should just read that. Uh, I guess I could. Yeah. Do it. I'd love to hear it. I uh, I actually right. don't have letterbox in front of me anymore. So yeah. Do it. Uh, all right, I'm pulling it up right now. But anyways, this movie was an absolute dumpster fire. So where did, please, where did you watch it? It's only on Netflix and just skip it. You might be seeing it and be like, well, this couldn't be it. That's not George Clooney. Uh, there's probably an asterisk that needs to be here. It's like George Clooney with sort of a, a crew cut and a big old beard. Mm-hmm. Worth noting. Don't get, don't get swindled. 
you like looking for George Clooney to avoid him. You click on this bearded gentleman. You're like, oops, I've accidentally yeah. clicked the movie anyways. And this movie was like two plus hours. If they would have taken out the smoldering, brooding close-ups with no words and no music, yeah, this would have been like a tight ninety. Oh damn, yeah. It kind of uh, sounds like that movie, like The Martian. Matt Damon meets like Interstellar. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, All right. But so worse. my review, as is, uh, as I wrote, a little bit drunk on Christmas Day after <laughs> I watched this movie. Full Scrooge. Full Scrooge mode. To say this is a slow burn would require it to be on fire at any point. It never even got warm. Boring. So very boring and slower than a sloth in molasses. So many close-ups of Clooney's brooding face that become masturbatory when you remember he directed the damn thing. Mm. So I like yeah, that opening just, line. That opening line was very good. Thanks. I don't remember what it was. It would need to be on fire. There would need yeah. to be. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. Yep. Man. Okay. So avoid I, the midnight sky. <laughs> Yeah, avoid the midnight sky. Stay indoors and watch something else. If you did happen to torture yourself through it, you might be in need of a very strong drink. I can't think uh-huh. of anything stronger as a base, to say the least, than something <laughs> called limoncello. Now, I'm going to introduce this one because why not? There's a drink called limoncello I'd never heard of, and Johnny swung by, and we had a little uh, across-the-driveway production meeting slash shared uh, Sierra Nevada beer um, called uh, Big Little Thing. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to see if we wanted to cover it on the show. We didn't. But Johnny had a bottle of, help me out with the name. Spiritus. Spiritus. Uh, not Latin, or maybe Latin, but it doesn't mean what Catholics think it means. It's basically straight liquor. It's uh, 192 proof. 192. Which yeah. basically, if again, if you're not good at math, boils down to like, this is just alcohol. And I tasted a little bit, and then I spit it out, and I couldn't feel my mouth for like five minutes. Now- Lemoncello, as I understand it, sir, is made with that uh, fire water. And you made it. Yeah. I made a version of it. I made something that's inspired by it. Because real lemoncello takes a long time to make. Uh-huh. And I wanted something immediately. So real lemoncello is you take the zest and some of the rind of Meyer lemons. Okay. And you soak them in this engine cleaner. Uh, and then you drink it after you add some stuff to it after like a couple months. Oh, okay. And ain't nobody got time for that. So I made basically sassy lemon vodka that's like <laughs> 192 proof. Because it's not vodka though, is it? It's like, it's, what's, because th- what's the base I don't know. of that I, stuff? It's, it's grain alcohol. Yeah, okay. I don't know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's Satan's sweat. It's just, it's base is just anger and sadness. Yeah. That's all I know. I was still it's, so surprised they sold that in a in a store for human consumption. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good idea, but I made a bunch of this stuff. And I did it last night and I had to like keep testing it to like make sure it was of course good or get it getting better. Yes. And you and your somehow infinite wisdom in this matter advised me to not do this on a work night. Was I right? Uh I was so fucking hungover today. Yeah, dude. Because I got it to the point where it just goes down like lemonade candy. Oh, that's not good. It's so good. But oh, God. It just, you spiral. And it sent me on a night of of drinking. Like I ended up having a stout on the porch with Brandon Duran. Shout out. A little socially distanced beer. And then. We watched Mank, and I ended up having like 
three or four more beers and like three or six more cocktails. Yeah. <sighs> I wish yeah, I would have known it, that you were watching Mank Drunk. I would have tried to convince you that it wasn't in black and white. <laughs> that Man, those funny. colors were vibrant, dude. Oh. <laughs> I was just trying to get on on Gary Oldman's level. Man, yeah. High high task yeah. right there. High task? What am I what's the phrase I'm looking for? High High brow? No, high order. Tall order. That's the one. Tall order. It's a tall order. There you go. <laughs> yeah. So I mean it turned out great in the Lemoncello type stuff that I made is awesome. I'm going to bring you a bottle. Thanks. Um, for New Year's Eve. Sure. And you're going to get fucked and it's going to be great. I can't um, wait. It sounds awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's so, it's so delicious. It's problematic because yeah. you're like, oh, that was just nothing. And then you're like, my chest is on fire. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Cool. Uh, so overall it's great, but yeah, maybe don't touch that stuff when you have to work the next day. Fair. Yeah. So what has got you hot and bothered? There's, I'm very confused because of the first thing and you're hot and bothered. So please enlighten me. I, I'm very confused. So Gianna's sister, my wife's sister, we spent Christmas with her parents um, and her sister. We all got COVID tested and all good. Um, and her sister kept doing this thing where she would like insult somebody and then be like, oh, sorry, I'm not feeling sorry. I'm not. She'd be like, um, like it was a joke. So this wasn't, she wasn't being serious. She was like, oh, you asshole. Give me my, oh, so, <clears throat> sorry. I'm not, I'm not feeling myself. Sorry about that. And she'd do that like for a couple days and it kept reminding me of something and I couldn't figure out what it was until like yesterday. And I remembered this compilation um, of a dude <clears throat> named Alex Jones. If you don't know Alex Jones, um, he is a, 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 a talk radio host, uh, super right wing. Um, a little bit of a crazy person. I think Infowars, is that the website? Yeah. Just wild dude. Um, and there's a compilation of him doing just that, like getting so fired up and then like collecting himself. Like, <clears throat> Sorry about that family show. And I'm going to drop in the audio right here. Take a listen. Then I'll come right back in and tell you more. Excuse me. I've been trying to control myself, trying to be professional about this. But at a certain point, I just am just really getting pissed. Just excuse me. We're not going to have Pepsi with baby flavoring in it. I mean, what the hell have we become? Excuse me. If I didn't have a liberal from New York. In the bathroom, I couldn't wipe my ass. Excuse me. I apologize. We have a family audience. That was wrong, and I won't do it again. You think I'm a coward like you? I'm sorry. You dishonorable, cowardly pieces of garbage. So that's kind of what that is. Um, that's, and it, it's amazing. It, it just it makes me so happy because he's this big idiot baby. <laughs> he's just so over the top. So I was, uh, I was laughing my butt off when I figured it out. I texted uh, her sister like... I swear I thought of it like midnight and I was like, Oh, this is what you're reminding me of. Um, anyways, it's a great little thing. I forgot it existed. So hopefully it made you nice. a little happy too. Um, and then very lastly for me, I have, I was given for Christmas a, oh, what's the best way to describe it to people that don't know it. Um, basically a, it's a semicircle, um, about, I don't know, 14 inches tall and it sits behind a microphone and it's an isolation booth kind of, and it's like a, a semicircle that yeah, is kind of like, you mount it on a mic stand, you put a mic in there, and the idea is that it sort of deadens the room and the space around the mic so you get so um, a better a better it, sound. Is it like a little microphone cave? Yeah, kind of. There's no top. It's more like a microphone sound wall. Okay. Um, anyways, so I'm not using it now. I don't use it for, for, for this mic, but I have another microphone that I've been um, playing around with, and I just kind of have it set up in the corner of my room here. And it's been really, really, really nice to have sort of a semi-permanent 
vocal mic setup in case inspiration strikes. I'm hoping to do some recording over the next month or two of some original material slash uh, a cover song that I owe you. Um, and this is going to make it really easy. It's like the moment, because I feel like so often, um, if you know anything about recording or, or producing music or, or podcasts, like a lot of it is like setting up the gear and like routing it in your computer and making sure everything is set up right. And um, that can often be a very sort of tedious and creation smothering sort of process. Um, yeah. Cause that's like work. Yes. And it's nice to just be like, Oh no, like I have an idea. Let's, let's put it to tape, you know? Yeah, um, so that's, that's dope. That's been fun. And I'm going to do more of that tonight. And then very lastly, I do have one thing that's got me bothered and I feel like it would be, uh, or we would be remiss if we didn't at least mention this. And that is to say that, uh, local video store, all the best right here in Chico is closing at the end of actually, I suppose it's in, by the time you hear this, they will be now, um, having a, a full on liquidation sale, uh, they've been a great business and I used to go there a lot more. Didn't quite do as much movie renting during COVID, but uh, I'm a long time proponent of that place. I love it so much. It's very sad to see it go. Um, Johnny, when was the last time you were in all the best? Oh God, way too long ago. Yeah. Thanks for putting me on the spot, man. I've been in there in months. <laughs> cool. Yeah, Appreciate oh, I mean, you. Me too, man. I think it's part of it. Like it's, it's sort of this inevitable sort of, or I think inevitable, like streaming stuff, especially in the COVID was like, nail in the coffin because everybody's like oh we can rent all these new videos at home because people are putting them out so early yeah so maybe inevitable but certainly sad even if it wasn't maybe uh foretold in the stars but i shall miss yeah. all the best seriously it's a bummer you know we lost all the the hollywood videos of the world and the the blockbusters and whatnot so to see the the independent ones go away like uh i've actually been to the last blockbuster in the world up in bend nice and, uh now it's shit. Might be the last video store in the in the world. It's certainly looking that way. <sighs> it's sad time. It's a tough year for movies, man. It is indeed. Um, back to your um Coheed and Cambria song that I owe you. Um, I played it once at a live show, and you said that I wasn't playing it exactly right. Um, or exactly the way that he did it. Um, so mm -hmm. I am gonna do this for you, but I'm gonna I'm gonna put like my full own spin on it. Yeah, but there's like a signature kind of acoustic riff that happens. Yeah, and I'll probably like, take that riff and just put it on a different instrument. That's fine, but it needs to be in there. That finger style riff. Yeah, it'll be like be it'll there. be a little motif. There you go. So, anyways, expect that. Expect that by the next time we record, and then you can follow up with this. I don't believe you. Huh? I I've heard, get ready to watch Hamilton. <laughs> I've heard this song and I've done this dance for ye almost a year now. In, in the so. same vein, you've never heard this song. <laughs> You know, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, all, right, so, dude, all right. That's all I got. What are we? What are we watching next week on the show? Uh, next week we are watching the brand new Pixar flick Soul, directed by Peter Doctor. You'll know him for some of their most heartwarming and inspirational films, like Inside Out. Done. So cool. Very excited for that, and uh, I have beers set aside for this, and I can't for the life of me remember what the brewery's called. But that's fine. You'll be surprised, just like we will when we record next week. So tune in then. Uh, go check out our Christmas special on YouTube. Thanks again to Max for putting all the hard work in and Brian Massa. I know him. I love those guys. Hey they killed it. That was a lot of work. Go enjoy it and giggle a little because we're silly geese. And it was fun. Thanks again, all our supporters. Thanks, Jen, for being our new supporter on Patreon. We appreciate you. Cannot wait till we can do some events and get to see everyone in person. Until then, enjoy our bonus contents that we release every week, which you could be listening to if you were on Patreon. Max, anything to add before we get out of here? Yes. Once again, that's Johnny Summers. My name is Max Minardi. The show wouldn't be what it is without the support of Bailey Minardi. And until next week, have a great time. Drink a good beer. Watch a good movie. Talk to you again.
Why don't we begin? This is Fresh Hop Cinema.